Whoa. <laughs> Sorry about that. I blew your, I blew your ears out. This is The Yay. My name is Red Clay. And Norman G. This is The Yay, where we talk about life in the theater and the theater of life. We have a fantastic guest, Leticia Duarte. How are you? Hey, good morning. <laughs> Thanks for having me. Are, yeah. we, are we at afternoon? Uh, yes, yeah, it's, it's no, just at 12. It's like 12-11. Theater people. <laughs> this is our morning. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> Leticia Duarte, you are an actress. Uh, you are currently working on Linda Omayo Hassan's piece, Cheer, the story of a dreamer, mm-hmm. which will be at the Potrero Hill stage. I know. And we're dying to hear about that. We, uh, I was talking with Duff Hassan, mm-hmm. who said that uh, he and his wife wanted to come on, or Linda, back on, because oh, we right, had yeah. her on, right. to talk about it. And uh, I guess there was some sort of an... Um, a family issue thing uh, that went on. Hopefully everything's okay at the Hassans, but I'm sure they're working really hard. But, Leticia, you've come on to uh, talk about the show and to talk about yourself. That's all right. Uh, Well, backing it up to Cheer, Story of a Dreamer, I have started working with Linda, um, Mm -hmm. lovely, Linda Amayo Hassan, who Uh is... Um, interestingly enough, she's going to be directing and has written this play. Right. Um, and uh, I think a lot of folks in the Bay Area kind of can harken back to Linda because she's taught at Chabot now. She oh, was telling cool. me she's she's on her 19th year, but for mm-hmm. all intents and purposes, she's a 20-year right. folks mm-hmm. person there. And, and we know in the Bay Area a lot of really cool people have come out of Chabot and right. um, the students that they've turned out there. So yeah. I'm really We've excited. We've had quite a few for, for our show, <laughs> Four Men in Paris. A lot of the uh, – uh, uh, Chabot alumni, so exactly. we're very thankful. Armando, I think. Uh, yeah. Yeah, Armando, Armando McLean, McLean, that's right. Mm-hmm. Who's up at uh, Cal Shakes right now. Yeah, yeah. who okay. just finished a stint in New York. He was, a, he yeah. was in New York they, for a uh, hot bit. Take, uh, was it Hamlet? I forget. It was mm-hmm. a show they'd done it, um, at uh, Ashland, and yeah. then they got to take it to New York. Yeah. Yeah, Linda's been doing great weight work, and I'm glad that she can still find time as a writer mm-hmm. to push her story out. And, of course, uh, um, Cheer, Story of a Dreamer, is an important story to tell. Especially in times like these. I mean, you know, this weekend is going to be another ice raid. Right. So Supposedly that, happening already, yes. Right, right, exactly. exactly. So it's, it's, it's timely. It's timely to hear a story like that. Mm-hmm. As I ask you every week, how was your, your week? As you like it open. I'm there so you go. Happy. <laughs> and it's so funny. Um, I've enjoyed the process. I've enjoyed – it's been very much a kind of workshop process because we have all this new music. Mm-hmm. So we're fitting the music into the story of the play. Um, and that has been an ongoing process. Um, but now it's open and it's kind of our show because we moved like this is our last weekend in Pleasanton and then next week we'll be up in Cupertino. So because the show moves, we actually end up having extra rehearsal periods so we can always keep tweaking. But Mm -hmm. as an actor, there's that moment of the show is open and the director just has to sit in the back of the room quietly. This is ours now. Let us have it. So <laughs> now, who's directing that this year? Is that Rebecca? Rebecca. Yeah. Yes. Okay. Great. Yeah. Rebecca yeah. went ahead and directed. I've this worked year. with Rebecca a few times. She's lovely. That's I, I wonderful. think as a um, as a theater marriage, they probably have to kind of decide who's working and who isn't. Because um, Marisa is also in the show, and her husband is Marissa Wanless. Yeah. Right her on. Husband is in um, Othello. Wow. Out at Livermore. Yeah. Yeah. yeah Livermore. So. You know, those families and that juggling. We had a number of rehearsal periods where there were lots of kids mm-hmm. around. Like, oh, okay. That's it's the amazing thing about theater where, let's say, one show, you're working with an actress, and then that person is directing you. Mm-hmm. And then another time, you're directing that person. So there's a, uh, I don't even know how to call it, but it's it's a nice little tapestry. It's, ba- it's theater. what I would love to see more of in Bay Area theater. 
Yeah. Because we have these amazing talents, and to just have somebody pigeonholed into one category or another when they can actually do it all. Like uh, Marisa plays uh, Jaquees, mm-hmm. and Jaquees is one of those strange characters in Shakespeare. Like in terms of a storyline, Jaquees actually has no part in that storyline at all. Jaquees is just sort of a fellow traveler. Literally, we see Jaquees kind of hang out with different characters. Beautiful scenes, amazing stuff. Jaquees does the. Um, all the world's a stage and all the men and women merely ah, players yeah. that speak. Jaquees has these famous speeches. Mm-hmm. Um, but, yeah, the character itself is just sort of an enigma, and in our production even more so. And I loved the uh, Mercury News uh, came out with a wonderful review, and they capsu- they encapsulated what she does very well. Mm-hmm. You know, it's a bit of an enigma, but then she's a little bit on the manic-depressive spectrum. <coughs> and... That works so well for the character. really does. Yeah. So, no, it's been fun, and mm-hmm. I have an insane costume change. I have an insane series of costume <laughs> changes. Yeah. But one of them, I walk off stage, and a song is finishing. And as that song finishes and the applause is going on, I'm trying to run back on stage in a whole different costume. Oh, good. Yeah. <laughs> I finally caught it Sunday where I actually got on. There's a... There's a set change. I won't say more than that, but there's a set change that happens. Normally, by the time I get on, those people are already cleared and nothing's there. And Sunday, I got up on deck and I was like, they haven't even cleared it yet. Yeah. <laughs> more time to change. <laughs> I tell you, working tech, so I'm doing tech for um, oh, that's right. Heather's, which is at the Gateway Theater, right. which is at Fort Mason. And as you talk about set changes and blackouts, Usually, you know, for producers, like, oh, you know, hurry up with the blackout. We don't have too many blackouts. But as a tech person, especially when you're adjusting things or whatever, you're like, take as much time as you want. Not a lot of time, but you know, right. <laughs> so I can fix this so thing. You so you can try and get it done. Well, the other weird things are, so 4th of July. Yes. Um, I, you will keep hearing me talk about Nextdoor because I signed oh, up Oh, Nextdoor is an app. Yeah, right. it's, it's a uh, community app. And yes. And hearing people fuss about stuff. It, finally, somebody, the reason I signed up was my car got broken into my bag. Oh. Taken, and I realized there was no point in calling OPD. They, they, right. you know, they won't even answer the phone. You leave a message. Maybe somebody gets back to you sometime mm, the next mm, week. Mm. You know, nothing. But I thought next door, people will know. Like, I know where stuff gets dumped in my neighborhood. Right. So I thought maybe somebody would know or be able to say, check here, check there. And that didn't happen. But somebody else did, you know, post exactly that. Mm. My car got broken into. Has anybody seen where there's this pink bag, blah, blah, blah. And I was like, I'm just loving you for validating that. The downside is 4th of July, what's up with all these fireworks? They complain, complain, complain. And I'm like, you know, this is East Oakland, and you should be grateful. Mm -hmm. When you hear that sound for once, it's not gunshots. It's (laughs) just fireworks. Yeah, that's right. And the fireworks are so incredible. Like, our party was amazing. East Oakland. Yeah. (laughs) Another East Oakland kid in the house. Yeah, yeah, yeah. 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 No, it's – and I I missed that party, but – well, the, yeah. it was it was incredible. I can't wait for next year. Mm-hmm. Then final thing for me is, so I took a picture. I was going to post it on Facebook and said, won't you be my neighbor? Yeah. Because a for sale sign went up next door. House already sold. Ah, of course. Wow, just like that, huh? Three days. Hmm. House sold. Three d- and they've got 30 days to get out. It was bought as is, which hmm. means these people are going to find some, nothing, no work has been done on that house for over a decade, hmm. maybe two um, family has been streaming in and out. When I moved in with Mara, mm-hmm. the next door lady, a neighbor was a lady named Mary, and Mary died. Mm. 
She had great-grandkids running through. She had adult grandkids running through. There were all kinds of folks in and out of that house, and they've continued to be mm-hmm. since she died, like two years ago, I think. Um, don't know where all these people are going, but they're going to be gone, and whoever bought it has got to come in and yeah. take this three-generation-old house. Yeah, Hope, hopefully you'll have uh, good neighbors, you know. Yeah, <clears throat> we got our fingers crossed. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. It's interesting. And that can segue into uh, some current events, local current events. I just read this this morning. Mm-hmm. Do you know who Gene Gorlick is? He is a uh, he's a he's a I think he's a millionaire um, and he's a landowner. But basically, to make a long story short, he offered a thousand dollars to the homeless if they leave four thousand Alabama Avenue. This is a, a home. This is a homeless area at near Home Depot in oh. uh, the Fruitvale area. Oh, over there, yeah. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, yeah. And it didn't work. Uh, activists came. It was like, hey, listen, you know, you can't just pay off the homeless. And where, right. what are they going to do with $1,000, you know, once right. they've spent it? Right. And it's just ridiculous. But it's amazing the tactics right. that these out-of-towner uh, rich, you know, mm-hmm. landowners will do well, local to so-called, you know, so-called clean up the area. Yeah, next next door. Yeah, and feel free to jump in. Yeah, absolutely. But next door, um, I'm seeing that stuff, too. And. So one lady said, I think I mentioned it last week, mm-hmm. um, homeless guy RV parked across the street from her house. Okay, that's, you know, whatever. Um, apparently he felt the need to use the bathroom outside mm. and facing the street. She's got two little girls. Mm-hmm. I'm like, okay, well, yeah, that's messed up. But somebody quickly pointed out, please, before you call the cops, think of some other way to deal with this. Because if they tow his RV, that's all his possessions. He's got no money to mm-hmm. deal with that. And... You are really going to impact his life. Yes, he's impacting your daughter's lives. Yes, there should be some resolution yeah. to this, but think I'm, smarter. I'm sure someone can just go and tell a homeless person, listen, I know you got to take care of your business, but do it somewhere else right. or not, not out in front. Not, yeah. not here. There's, yeah. you know, and she, I can also understand why she doesn't want to do that. I, I live in my house. I'm not going to go you know, confront the person who is a danger in my neighborhood. Oh, sure. Yeah, yeah. And I'll bring Leticia in because last week we talked about the last black man in San Francisco, the right. the, uh, the wonderful yeah. film, which so talks beautiful. about homeless issues, mm-hmm. uh, just gentrification, changing of um, San Francisco, the mm-hmm. the community. Right now, you're a long time. You're an East Oakland resident, <clears throat> and you're one of the few um, natives. How do you feel about the the, the changing? Environment. Well, first, I want to give mad props out to uh, so many people in the cast, so many folks mm-hmm. in the cast of that beautiful movie, uh, The Last Black Man in San yeah. Francisco. If you haven't seen it, go see it. It's so beautiful. It's mm-hmm. so breathtaking. And, right. and there's a really it, it's profound because there's a, a deep sadness in it. But at the same time, it's so much beauty. Yeah. The pictures are beautiful. The storyline is beautiful. And it's dealing with some really tough issues. I think kind of going back to what Norman said is that when we think of the homeless, mm-hmm. um, you know, there's this tendency to put displaced people as, well, that's not me. Right. right. By the grace of the gods, I have a home at this moment. Right. right. Um, but we all find ourselves in this position of homeless or not yeah. is that we're we're also – in it together, yeah. meaning you want to walk down the sidewalk, 
and maybe it's filthy. Sure. Um, and you have neighbors that maybe are having to deal with situations that are not pleasant. And so it harkens back to this bigger subject right. of, you know, what is the city doing? Mm-hmm. What are, you know, you see the rich in, in where was it? It may be in San Francisco where the rich were getting together to um, get lawyers and representation to, to, keep that, um, to keep the homeless shelter out. Mm-hmm. out of the Embarcadero. And yeah. it's just like, let's look at the bigger picture. <clears throat> like you said, Norman, you know, thinking smarter is that. That idea that we're all in this together. Yeah. And quite frankly, being an artist, it, it's like, you know, could that be me someday? Right. Is someone going to have A lot of people are just a paycheck me? away. Right? Y'all, y'all are making me want to thank my old landlord because there were a number of times I'm like, dude, the rent is coming, but it's not coming in the next two weeks. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I, I expect a check within the next two weeks. I will get it to you. And I would. I would literally like raise yeah. to the office. And the landlord was cool with it? That's fantastic. Pretty cool. Yeah. Pretty amazing. Yeah. There were over I was there 17 years. I got 3-day notices maybe, you know, 3 times, 4 times in all that time, but mm-hmm. you know, I would rush down to the office and go bam and Yeah. And I feel the same way with my landlord. You know, I'm like, oh, oh, it's a year. You know, is it going to increase or whatever? You know, right. how, what's it going to be? But you're absolutely right. You know, we're a lot of folks are just one paycheck away. Right. You know, you think you're doing okay. All of a sudden something happens to your job and <clears throat> you're like, oh, my God, the bills are pouring in. Or let's say, you know, you get injured. Mm-hmm. Right. There's no different between – and I wrote a little one-act play that I'm trying to push um, mm-hmm. about a homeless guy mm-hmm. who dreams. Like, you know, he dreams, and when he wakes up, he's a rich man. But mm. when he wakes up again, he's homeless. He doesn't know which reality is which. Uh, but, you know, the homeless issue is a real issue, and it's right. something that I worry about. And, you know, a lot of the folks who are homeless, not all of them are just derelicts who will always be right. homeless and right. whatever. A lot of them are really, you know, they're, they're, they're people, and, you know, they don't want to be there. No one wa- Who wants to be homeless? Right. Well, people make, when they have the option, some mm. people make that option for different reasons. But all that homelessness is just a shadow of a lot of other social That's right. issues that haven't been addressed. Mm-hmm. We, um, I had a couple of gigs this week over in the city in that new neighborhood off of Third Street. Mm-hmm. I don't even, you know, I'm like, what the hell is this? You don't recognize the city that you it's not that you grew up in, yeah. right? It's not. It's I used to go through that area. That area used to be, I guess, warehouses and stuff, and now and they transformed into this beautiful little park. Mm-hmm. Which has like an old, you know, it's sort of like one of those old West towns in it. It's a, a miniature golf course and all <laughs> okay. this stuff. I'm looking over the fence and going, "What the hell? This is not the world that I know." Yeah. Um, and I thought, well, what happens when the homeless yeah. want to come to the park? Because it's a park, right? Yeah, right. Mm-hmm. And I thought, well, on the one hand, yes, you want to protect your children from these folks. On the other hand. We used to have, when I was growing up, parks that were available to everybody. Mm-hmm. Uh, and when you went to the park, if you needed to go to the bathroom, the bathroom was open. But in San Francisco, yeah. bathrooms are locked in the parks. Yeah, I'm ba- yeah, that that's a, that's a whole different issue. Like, so you know, just, yeah. there are all these things that mm-hmm. have been taken away over the decades. And then there's a whole bunch of people who then fall through that safety net. Mm-hmm. Um, or And then people want to criminalize yeah. simple things like sleeping, sitting on the sidewalk, sure. going to the bathroom. Sure. Like, or we parking. We aren't are parking. We aren't taking right parking. San Francisco has very successfully squeezed a whole bunch of people out. Yeah. And I'm like, well, no, we need to look at those decisions and reset course mm-hmm. in a way that is very yeah. human. I mean, I understand beautifying Civilized. San Francisco and Oakland, but you have to balance that between mm-hmm. allowing regular people mm-hmm. to to still you know have a community. You don't have a community right. if you have a bunch of rich folks. 
who built these, you know, wonderful little parks for them. Right. You know, what if the wrong person, air quotes, comes in and all that stuff? Well, I walked, um, Mara and I walked the estuary the other Mm -hmm. day. Uh, And we were actually trying to get to this overpass. Yeah. Because we had, one day we had come from this side. Mm -hmm. And I was like, well, so they've made this beautiful overpass right out here on the Embarcadero. And I know when they did all that work at the bottom of the lake, and they, if you remember, there were photos saying, and they've opened the lake up so that you'll be able to take, like, your kayak or your little boat and right. go all the way out to the bay. I don't see how, because the waterway, once you get past Laney, there's a huge metal grate that is, and, it, and I said, well, maybe they flipped it up. And she said, no, look at the design of it. It can't flip up. So did they remove it, or did they just put a bunch of boats in the water, send them under that new overpass at the lake? Mm. I like, and along there, of course, are all these encampments. So we were a little worried about walking it, but I'm like, well, nobody's bothering us, so mm-hmm. let's just go ahead and walk in and look at it, and it's a worthwhile walk. We have to solve these problems. We can't just make these people bad and make it all pretty for the. And right it's people. it's about qualifying, you know, people over profits, mm-hmm. and realizing that when we use terms like um, homelessness, which I'm going right. to segue right. into sure. yeah, yeah, yeah. the dreamer, is that children are homeless. Yeah. The working poor are homeless, and homeless right. can look. You know, I think you were kind of referencing Norman the fact that um, for some people that may be a way of life. Right. But for many others, you see families that maybe you lost your job, maybe you were mm-hmm. recently kicked out. Right. right. Homelessness may be um, something that you encounter for two weeks out of your life right. until you right. find stability again. Right. Uh, so there's so many ways that that looks, and we're we're sort of making this blanket statement of of okay, this is homelessness, and right. we feel endangered or we feel like it's dirty. Mm-hmm. But in reality, we're not seeing the mother who may be displaced for a couple weeks who's living right. out of her car sure, right. having to change pampers and leaving them at the side of the road because she really because has no she's options. Got no place else to put them and in. I think when we you know, when you were looking talking about beautification, um, especially in Oakland, you know, you keep hearing this phrase of keep Oakland native. Mm-hmm. Right. Because just like Norman was referencing with his landlord, there's a relationship. Mm-hmm. But when we have these mega corporations sure. of people who don't even live here, yeah. people who don't know the folks, people who don't have the relationships, well, we can't. We, we don't have anyone to beg for mercy. We right. don't have anyone to say, hey, you know, times are tough right now. Mm-hmm. Can I catch a little break? Right. You know, it's just a cold format letter from someone who doesn't know you. Yeah. And that's the part of Oakland that – I don't want to lose that because I see that when I go to San Francisco. Mm-hmm. You don't see your folks. Yeah. Right. Um, you yeah. don't see even, – even with the homeless, as we start to develop um, the idea of you know, people before profits, right. as you go around Oakland, you, you tend to see your long-time mm-hmm. um, folks that have right. lived on the streets. Right. And for me, I, I start to take accountability, and I go, okay, oh, that guy's still there. Okay, right. he's still living. Yeah. He's still, right. yeah. And they become yeah. a part of your scenery, mm-hmm. a part of even what is – what we think about as Oakland. Yeah. Yeah, no, you're absolutely right. And, I, and I've seen some of those guys before, you know, those homeless. And sometimes I help them out or, you know, sometimes I'm like, oh, no, that person's gone. I wonder what happened. Did he die or, mm-hmm. you know, right. what what happened? Because, mm-hmm. you know, things or like that right. happen. Did he move yeah. on or yeah. no? I'll, there's some other. Know some. Yeah. And I'll list some other uh, bullet points that I had that I just wrote down throughout sure. the week. Also in San Francisco, uh, you heard about the call box incident. This is an individual. This is yet another uh, guy who called the cops <sighs> on a black guy who's trying to walk into a building but didn't use the call box. Uh-huh. The father, white guy, wants to call the cops. His son 
right. says, no, 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 don't do it, don't do it. This is on CNN, and it oh, happened in San yeah. Francisco, oh, and no, it sort of ties into this. <laughs> and on one case, I mean, mm-hmm. so I'm a resident here. I have a call box, and right. someone tries to sneak in without using a call box. I don't know who that is. Right. So I can at least say without using privilege, hey, listen, I don't know who you are. You know, right. do you – hey, I'm just checking. You know, I'm not making any right. statements or any judgments or whatever. Right, but, it's a secure building. Right, exactly. And, of course, this guy did not do that at all. And, of course, his friends came a second later to let him in. Uh, but this is this right. ties into the whole, you know, um, who, who are who, – what is the community of right. San Francisco or Oakland? You well, know, what uh, – Your neighbors have more than once said, oh, did you want to come in? And I'm like – Thank you for offering. <laughs> He's on his way down. He's on his way down. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But but that's cool. I mean, you know, they, it, they know. It made me feel very, because otherwise I'm hanging around a doorway. I'm a black man hanging around a doorway. I'm sure. Like, oh, I do not like this feeling. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And that's another so, thing about race. You know, if you were a white guy or if it were a white right. guy, mm-hmm. then I wonder what would have happened. You know. Exactly. Right. There are all these things. And just as you said, you have a right to have safety. Yes. You have a right to feel safe. But we need to come back to the phrase of, I'm a black man, I have a right to live. Sure. And that's what it feels like. And, right. and black women as well. Yeah, um, right. of course. Because it's every damn day you're getting these articles. I, I just saw one just today that was a black man was scrounging in his car for some change to feed the meter. Uh-huh. A woman called the police because she thought oh, he was breaking goodness. into the car. That's fine. Maybe she's being a good Samaritan for right. a second. For a second. Right. But then the man doesn't. He says, this is my car. I can show you ID. She leaves him hanging for almost an hour by the time the police comes. And I'm thinking to myself, can you please just let black people live? Just let us live. Yeah. And the assumption of, well, there's something wrong with you or you don't look right. I mean, where where does that even come in? I mean, this gets into the psychological and even the sociological, you know, what. And I thought that we're beyond this. Yeah. Yeah. um, uh, I just saw my neighbors this week, a couple of Latino Mm -hmm. young men. Um, breaking into the car. It's a car that's in the neighborhood all the time, and I get the sense that mm, you don't always have the keys. Or I've locked my keys in my car so many times, I actually keep things, like I keep a hanger under my bumper (laughs) so that I can, Mm -hmm. and I've done it. And I'm standing there thinking, I hope nobody calls the cops right now. It's really going to piss me off, and it's so embarrassing when I have to get my paperwork out. If things go well. Yes, yes. <laughs> and I get my paperwork out and I show them that. Yeah. And imagine if you had an expensive car. Oh, right. And what the police, you know, will yeah. say about that. Mm-hmm. So there's that going on. There's Hurricane Barry that's happening Ooh, now. New Orleans gone. I heard, a, <laughs> I heard a report that uh, the U.S. is losing money and will have to, I guess, go to Congress to ask for the debt ceiling to be raised. Right. Which is a byproduct of Trump giving yeah, tax, tax cuts yeah. to the rich, yeah. which doesn't help the economy. Right. So to tie all of this up, Letitia, um, how – and this is something I ask all of my guests. Uh, how do you feel in, in the age of Trump? I mean, what's going on? I mean, were you surprised? I mean, are you optimistic about 2020? Okay. So we, we were already – I mean, we can talk about homelessness for days. Sure. Right. We can talk about can a black person breathe in the United States of America. Right. When you start to segue into Trump, I mean, my easy answer is it's a whack-a-mole job. Yeah. I mean, he has overtaxed every person in the United States. If you have any bit of a heart, one day you're at the Muslim ban. The next day you're trying to help folks get registered and be safe from ICE. The next day you're trying to um, hold space for trans women and men of the Mm -hmm. military. That's exactly right. I mean, every moment you are – 
just it's a constant onslaught yeah. on Trump. And so th- for those folks that tell me, like, oh, there's no difference between politicians, I'm sorry, I have not been able to breathe yep. right. since he was in office. Right. I have not been able to take a day off from, right. I used to say being an activist, now I'm just saying uh, from being a human. Yeah, yeah, you, absolutely right. How can you stand a, a by yeah. and, and see, I was at Stanford when they did the Muslim ban, yeah. and there was a gal who was being kept out of the country. She was a PhD student, Wow. but she happened to be Muslim, right. and she was being kept out. And it's like, you are touching my humanity. This is yeah. a right. student yeah. I know. Right. She's suffering. She hasn't done anything wrong. She just went home to see the folks. She's coming back to study. Right. Can you, can you, um, and he is and just. And ending her life. Yeah. But I will tell you, mm-hmm. on the selfish side, mm-hmm. the artists in me, I do love that every time we have someone like this in office, the arts, the idea yeah. of making meaning That's through right. art just mm-hmm. spikes. Mm-hmm. You see the best music yep, yep, come yep, out. Yep, yep. You see the best art come out. And I'm really right. I'm really proud of um, Linda Maya Hassan and, and a little jealous because she has um, written a piece of work, Cheer, Story of a Dreamer, that um, opens in San Francisco August 1st. Mm-hmm. And by Dreamer, we're talking about um, DACA. Yeah, children, the, yeah, the Dream, yeah. That um, have applied, and maybe a lot of that is not being um, with, with Trump again. He seems to be this guy that... Just the laws do not apply for him. Right. I mean, yeah. In yeah. some ways, we've kind of fallen into a dictatorship. Right. But coming back to Linda, she's written this, you know, this excellent play, um, both uh, vulnerable, um, sad, um, risky, but she infuses just a lot of fun in it. It's mm-hmm. um, cheer. Um, the the main DACA child, the child who who will apply for DACA, is a cheerleader mm-hmm. at her ah, high school. Uh-huh. Yeah, so really fun. And she's incorporated the cheerleaders to tell that story mm-hmm. in this really sort of <laughs> naughty, <laughs> funny way. Yeah. Um, you know, you'll have them at one point like deported, deported. You could be deported, and mm-hmm. it's 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 mixing in this you know uh, classic American. Uh, iconography, right. if you will, like right. sure. to, to tell this story of this child, and so the child is my child in uh, Cheer Story. The oh, Dreamer. you play the mother. Yeah, I play the mother. Wonder, wonderful, quintessential mama, um, and you know, hard worker um, has lived in the country. Her children, these children, these DACA children, so mm-hmm. many of them have lived there forever. Lived right. here forever. They may not have ever even stepped foot in their native country. Right. So you add in all these layers. But what I love about this story in particular, um, you know, when, when we're talking, when we put these labels like illegal immigrant, right. homeless person, right. um, this, that, and the other, we, we sometimes look at them as they're the problem instead of the gift. Yeah. Right. And oh. in this story, not just because I'm the mom and biased, mm. but my daughter is in this story um, – we have a, a young 17-year-old. She's mm. going to be the homecoming princess. She's mm-hmm. wildly popular. Mm-hmm. She's an A student. She will right. eventually get into college at Cal Berkeley, mm-hmm. um, which is what uh, offsets the story is right. that she doesn't know mm-hmm. that she's here without paper. Right. Being oh. a good mother's, I didn't want to scare her. Sure. I didn't want to you know, have her live in that constant mm-hmm. fear right. yeah. that people who are trying to make a living, people who are contributing to our society mm-hmm. um, in these extremely positive ways are constantly living with this fear. Of is today the day, yeah. And Linda has captured the essence of what do DACA children contribute to our society, right? Yeah. What do these people that we give this ugly term, right? Illegal alien. What are they contributing? Mm -hmm. And when they're taken away, what gift is taken away? Yeah. Mm -hmm. And this was at the it first played at Chabot College because we had Linda on and it played in November of last year. Okay. And now it's being redone. 
uh, at the playground. <clears throat> so, yeah, which is a wonderful stage, thing, yeah. and yeah. you're absolutely right. I mean, uh, and it's wonderful seeing a piece like this. Mm-hmm. We had David Stein on, and he yeah. submitted something at the Playwright Center, right. an appointment at Sonora, which also talks about the border incident. Right. You're absolutely right. We have activism, you know, uh, plays which talks about these very serious incidences, and I've had a bunch of folks on my other podcast talking about what it is being an immigrant. Uh, we had a friend of mine, uh, Adam Simpson, who was Canadian, and you would think, well, in Canada, you, know, you have no problem. He's like, no, 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 I had a problem. You know, I had to quickly get my paperwork mm-hmm. done. And it sounds like in the story Cheer, you have a girl who is just living the American cheerleader you know, life or a teenager life, but she doesn't know about her, her, her paperwork. And, and you can understand the parents, they don't tell her or they, they can't tell her until they have to. It sounds like that's what the plot is. Exactly. And what's interesting is that she's also incorporating what we would call a traditional white family. Yeah. And we're seeing these parallels between mm-hmm. the two families. Yeah. Um, the, the, my child also dates a what we would call a traditional white male. Sure, sure, um, sure. What I would call the colonizers of our country. <laughs> yeah. But yeah. Um, that's neither here nor there. Sure. But she's yeah, dating yeah. this young man and – and I think that as we see the two families in parallel, we see two families that care about their children. They want the best for their for their children. They want to give them a good education. And in turn, those children are going to um, contribute in in often monumental ways. Yeah. Let me ask you this, Leticia. And I, and I thought, Leticia, I want to get your name right. <laughs> but um, and I've thought about this ever since the George Zimmerman incident with uh, Trayvon Martin. Absolutely. The I, the <sighs> the concept of assimilation, not just you know, okay, so we know about what happened with Zimmerman and the shooting of Trayvon Martin, but Latino America, there are some Latinos who can pass as yeah, white right. easily, mm-hmm. and some who deliberately try to do that, and then there's some who hold on to their um to their to their cultures. Like, listen, I don't care what you think I am, I am Latino. I am either from El Salvador, from Mexico, or from Cuba, and they hold that pride. I don't know if that theme is in cheer, or it, does it touch it at all, or does it affect you, or it's, it's just a question that I have. Um, well, first, you know, rest in power, Trayvon Martin, and um, mm-hmm. so many of the folks, um, this idea of passing has yeah. been with us forever. Sure. Um, and then there's the deeper idea of internalized racism. Um, oh, which yeah, I think, right. you know, because we do have the Clarence Thomas of the, of the world. Sure, sure, sure. Um, we do have uh, this Acosta fellow. Yeah. I, I was really struck oh, by Trump calling him oh, a Hispanic. Oh, that's right. Yeah, that's another mm-hmm. thing. You know mm-hmm. you know about this. He uh, oh, was the labor secretary who helped Jeffrey Epstein, you know, avoid yeah, serious jail deal. time. Yeah. yeah. But, yes, yeah, self-hatred, where it's like, yeah, I'm Latino, but shh, you know, you know what I mean? Well, if you're getting every message, yeah, every message that to uh, – Breathe and, and bleed black is is not going to work. If you're getting every message that you're a Mexican, so you're a rapist, right. you're right. a killer, right. you're all of these things. Or a drug dealer, something like that, yeah. But I think within the story of Cheer is that this is a traditional Latino family. They The mother has come from violence. Her um, husband was killed in Mexico. Mm. So her idea was to... to uh, not even an idea, just the, the, the having to really put her family first and get them to safety, her idea of safety. So their life is um, it's impoverished, yeah. um, to say the least. They, they are probably, um, if I had to, to use terms, maybe a family that lives in the fruit veil. Maybe they live in a one-bedroom apartment. Mm-hmm. She works as a house cleaner. Their life is not easy, and I think that because 
of their reality, I'm, I think I would imagine that the children, and especially the mother, know that they um, maybe don't fit into the white middle class. Sure. And I think that there's a lot of pride within the um, play that's articulated around food, mm-hmm. around the love that they have for their mother. And so I think they still have a really deep sense of being Latino. Oh, good. But so they hold on to the culture, yeah. In the sense of also being othered. Sure. That somehow we, mm-hmm. even people who have been here forever, are treated in some way as the other. And so when you're othered, your group becomes even more important, even mm-hmm. more vital to your mm-hmm. identity. Yeah, when you embrace the other. You know, I don't mind being an, an, an other. You know, being mm-hmm. a black man, it's like, hey, you know, I'm proud of being different. Mm-hmm. Um, so it's good. Uh, it's, it, there, there's some wonderful themes in Cheer. How did you get come become involved? Did you were you recruited by Linda, or did you audition for the I part? I was. So Linda Mayo Hassan um, luckily came a couple of years ago to see me in Real Women Have Curves, mm-hmm. which I still think is such a talk about Latino pride. Talk sure. about the idea of family and the contributions that working women um, make in this country. A beautiful play. So she saw me in that, and she said she actually wrote the part with me in mind. Oh, there you and go. So that was really flattering, and that was amazing. That was uh, directed by Katya Rivera, mm-hmm. who is, you know, a wonderful, wonderful amazing. working artist. Um, so she had me in mind. She brought me in. She asked me if I could come to this piece of it, and I've just been really happy with it because – like I said, she's blessed in that this is so immediate. Yeah. We need this play right now. Yeah. We need the arts more than ever to step up right now yeah. and say, this is, when you're using <coughs> that term loosely, uh, illegal immigrant. Yeah. What you're talking about is an undocumented woman who is doing the best mm-hmm. that she can by her family. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, there you go. I mean, you know, when it's funny when Trump talks about, well, this ice ray, we're only targeting, you know, criminals. And I said, well... <laughs> If you're if you're saying that anyone who crosses the border illegally is a criminal, that right. really is everyone. So it's not it's and it's horrible because when we think and we talked about this, Norman, uh, mm-hmm. a couple of uh, episodes ago, you had mentioned this crisis, and I was like, is it really a crisis just because right. the president says well, so? Yeah. It's a crisis because they've created a crisis. Yeah, well, they yeah exactly created by them. And I uh, talked about how in 2010, you know, John McCain, you know, made it an issue and, and Jan Brewer in Arizona, because prior to 2009, there was never an illegal immigrant crisis. I'd never right. heard it, right. you know, as a right. national issue until someone wants to get elected. Right. And, of course, you know, <clears throat> every, every, you know, people, they raise themselves by stepping on other, other people. I got into it with somebody on Twitter and we went back and forth and I'm like, dude, okay, so crisis. Um, so this crisis... The numbers are down. Immigration numbers are down. Mm-hmm. Um, they were like twice that a decade ago, twice what they are now. Thank you, Obama, if you even care, if, you know, if that's your issue and you feel like something needs to be done. Obviously, something needs to be adjusted. The way it gets talked about is this problem. And I don't know that the problem to me is there's a lack of equity that people aren't being allowed in the country in a fair way. Um, but. Whatever it was, there were twice as many people, and somehow our system was processing them just fine. Then Obama cut those numbers down to lower than Trump, Um, and again, still processing it just fine. So all of a sudden, we've got half as many people coming in, and we can't process them? Huh. The problem is on our side, not on their side. Yeah, yeah, exactly. And uh, like I said, a lot of these people who are coming in, 
they're taking the less the lesser amount of jobs. I mean, every time I see someone, you know, go to a fast food place or at my job, you know, someone is cleaning, and I'm like, this is not what where people want to be. I, you know, it's and and they're not the enemy, right? And and you know, it's it's just really really. Um, so I'm I'm very glad to hear about Sheer's story of a dreamer, and we'll talk more about that. I'd like to get into an uh, origin story. Yes, Leticia Duarte. <laughs> um, how did you get involved in theater? Were you you were born and raised here? I'm actually one of those really lucky folks. I, I really consider myself blessed because I, I don't mention it much. I didn't kind of want to ride his coattails. But my uncle is a famous, um, really well-known um, theater artist, uh, theater maker, and playwright. Mm -hmm. His name is Rodrigo Duarte Clark. Mm. He, um, oh, uh -huh. he just had a, an incredible movie. He won a, a, some kind of fancy award in in Mexico for, for what they call the uh, uh, SAG, you know, those kinds of things. Sorry, yeah. I'm not up on that. But um, he was actually the second Chicano theater creator in the United States. His company is um, Teatro de Esperanza. Mm -hmm. It was, he modeled it after. Um, yeah, we, um, didn't we do Before the Dream we in there? Before the Dream there, yeah. yeah. Mm -hmm, yeah. Mm -hmm. He's also written beautiful plays. One is called La Victima. Um, it's done all over the United States and Ooh. in some other countries. It's amazing. So I grew up in that theater as a child. Wil Wilma Bonet was in his original uh, yeah. mm -hmm. company. And he would put me in as, you know, in La Victima, I would I was the little child sort of left dead by the <laughs> side of the road. <laughs> oh. So just little yeah. tad roles. But I always had it in my head that theater was the life. That, you know, he, and he was, he is such a great actor, such a great actor. He'll come to some of my shows sometimes, and I'm like, no, please, I'm not, <laughs> I'm not worthy. I'm not half of what you are. Yeah. Um, so I had Chicano Theater literally in my backyard. Chicano, wow. Chicano Theater literally in my backyard. But then I went to college, and I s quickly realized that we were not a Silver Spoon family, um, and that being an artist was probably not for me. And I left, and I taught for eight years. I taught for um, Oakland Unified and San Francisco Unified, loved it, mm -hmm. but still had this feeling in my heart that yeah. I wanted to have this as my life um, and came back to it in my early 30s. So I feel really blessed to be where I am, that I'm actually a mature actor of color that actually gigs, and gigs pretty hard. Yeah. Um, I noticed you had Rondell on here the other day, and he was talking about giggle, gigging really hard. And, right. and you know, black, white, Puerto Rican, as mm -hmm. an artist, that's what it is. You're working here, you're working there, you're on this gig, you're on that project. Yeah. It's it's real. Yeah, you know, we had um, our good friend Richard Talavera on. Oh, yes. Was it a year ago? It was, it was yeah, quite it was a while back. we got to bring yeah. him back. Mm -hmm. But he talked about the decline. We talked about the decline of... Latino theater. Mm -hmm. I just don't see it around much. And mm -hmm. the irony is there's so much of a great Latino community mm -hmm. uh, here in the Bay. Um, does that trouble you? I mean, are you seeing, you know, I'm sure you've been on a bunch of stages. I don't know if you've portrayed or the stories that you've been in re you know, reflect you. I, yes. And um, I want to clarify this by saying, like, when you look at African-American Shakespeare, mm -hmm. um, when you look at theaters that are actively bringing in the story of what we would call the other. Sure. Now, I don't use that term because mm -hmm. we are as much of the fabric, if not more. Oh, sure. Um, well, I understand what you're saying, yeah. But when you look at the decline, it's only in contrast to what you're given. Mm -hmm. For me, it's when I go to African-American Shakespeare, for example, I think – 
wow, I'm seeing this in a way that I never conceptualized before. When we see the success of, like, David Diggs mm -hmm. taking we, – we saw him originally at SF Shakes with the San Francisco Shakespeare Festival. Mm -hmm. The first time I saw him on stage, I said, wow, he is bringing Oakland mm -hmm. to the world. Yeah. And now you see that he literally has brought right. Oakland to the world. Right. Yeah. Um, so to feel a decline in it uh, – is one just knowing that again it's just such a loss for everybody else yeah um and to believe that our stories matter yeah to believe that our experience is so rich mm -hmm. and so incredibly unique yeah. i think if we're going to bring audiences younger audiences to the theater mm -hmm. that we need to tap into the experience of Latinos, the experience of Muslim folks, the experience of the young black man who's trying to survive all the different sure, issues of sure, injustice. Sure. Because those are the stories that people want to hear. Yeah. They may not know it, but the minute they come in, I think the vibrancy of really knowing that story personally yeah. is so touching. It's so amazing. Yeah, it becomes your story. You know, you're not seeing, you know, there's so many times we go into the movie theaters or watch a television show and we're watching someone else's story. Uh, we see it in Disney a lot, although Disney tries Ooh, to. <laughs> you, you skipped over that one for a current event. Oh, what was that? I forgot that one. Oh, it is blowing oh, up. Ariel, Ariel, Ariel. Yeah. Oh, my God. This mermaid couldn't possibly be. Oh, is there a controversy because she's black? People have a problem yes, with it? No, because, for God's you know, sake. This, this fictional, mythical sure. character yeah. clearly had to be white because the whole universe is friggin' white. <laughs> <laughs> I didn't realize this controversy. I had heard oh, that they had yeah. had a black, but I, I thought that was like a, oh, the, how, this is wonderful, and Disney's trying to, you know, well, mix it up. And But I guess one they're going to be haters, right? One of the ways of being on Twitter is to see when people respond to something that is just clearly BS. Mm. And the way people did on Twitter was to say, what about this and what about that? And they just started recasting oh, all goodness. these characters <laughs> in, in color. I love like, it. Hey y'all. Yeah, um, you have a you have a son and a daughter. I do. Are they involved in the arts at all? They are. Uh, Ella is a major contributor. She's an amazing actor. She's only thirteen years old. Wow. Um, when you were talking about backstory. Um, I think the most pride that I have sure. in my life is that my heritage actually is um, native to the Americas, mm -hmm. indigenous to Mexico, um, black, or what I call brought here against our will, mm -hmm. um, and some Scottish and English. I'm truly the classic American mutt. Mm -hmm. um, and luckily, I have family on – despite the U.S. and this constant idea of telling us that the other is bad – I'm blessed to have relatives in every race that are extremely proud of their culture, mm -hmm. that are extremely – that have always done their best job to teach me about my heritage. Yeah. So hence, I even know my great-great-grandparents by name. Wow. Uh, Stella, who yeah. was Chippewa, and Thaddeus Smith, who wow. was um, the slave master's son and, and – um, mm -hmm. Sure. And his. Yeah. So to have that blessing – and when I think about my children – because they're so – they can pass. Mm -hmm. They could pass. They could be Italian. They could be mm -hmm. – They could. but mm -hmm. Ella, for example, was just picked for a major um, commercial ad. Oh, fantastic. Yeah, it ran all over the world. And the directors kept saying, it's just that she – we wanted this futuristic child that – really felt like she was mm -hmm. the, the composition of America. 
Yeah. And I thought, yep, you're right. She is. <laughs> yeah, almost she a is. universal look. Yeah. Right. Yes, and she is almost a universal baby. Wow. Oh, that's <laughs> fantastic. What about your son? Um, he, too, is in theater. He's done a little bit of Juliet, a little, little bit of Romeo and Juliet. He played yeah. Romeo. Um, How old is he? He's 17. Got it. And she is 13. Um, but, you know, they're like any kids. They have so many different mm-hmm. um, experiences in their life. But they are very supportive of me. They come to everything. They engage with the actors. Um, they're that theater family, creating that theater family. Mm-hmm. So many people know them in the Bay. It's just wonderful to um, see them having this extended That's family. That's wonderful. Um, are your parents still alive? Or are they? They are. Okay. They are. Um, my mom is retired. Mm-hmm. My dad lives in Oakland. Okay. Um, and, uh, you know, they are... Really, really working class. Yeah. Do they support what you do? or do Oh, they? They, they love it. Oh, fantastic. Mm. They love it. I think that they are classic examples of um, folks who are very, very smart, mm-hmm. but maybe didn't have the opportunities that they would have wanted. Well, sure. Um, so I think that, especially for my father, yeah. he, he, he works as a Lyft driver right now. Mm-hmm. He's not able to retire. He's truly part of the working class. Um, and every time he sees me on stage, he just, it, I can tell he wants everything to exalt me, everything to oh, that's wonderful. to lift me up yeah. because I do feel like they lived in kind of an era where they were not necessarily given yeah. um, what I was blessed with. Yeah. Yeah. It's, uh, yeah, uh, yeah. I think every family, like when my dad saw our production for men and parents, you know, he really saw something that he never really saw and, and also opportunities that he didn't have. And it's wonderful when you see generations and of course your kids. They're, you know, like your daughter being in a commercial syndicated. Love, that, that's that's, love, that's a lot of money. I love all the stuff that you post. I love seeing, <laughs> oh, yeah, got this, got that. Yeah. Taking the family, running over here. Hey, we got another commercial. Like, yeah. Yes. How is, how, is, how is the Bay Area Theater treating you? They're, we've had a lot of actors. They're like, I'm doing this, I'm doing that. Some are frustrated. Some aren't getting paid enough. You know, there are a lot of companies like, yeah, we want you. It's like, well, can we negotiate about salaries? Like, well, let's talk about it. Are you being treated with respect? I think I'm being treated with respect. I love the community. Mm-hmm. I've been here for quite a minute, you know, in, in the theater community, and I've built some of the best friendships I've ever had. Yeah, you've the worked th- at a lot of organizations, yeah. The thing about theater people is they are amazing. They are loving. They are kind. There are so many people that I, I have a theater mom. Mm-hmm. I have theater sisters. I have uh, best friends that have come out of theater. So that's really different from when I started back in L.A. when I was a youngster. It was very mm-hmm. competitive. Yeah. I was told over and over again, hey, you're not blonde. Hey, you're not tall. Mm-hmm. Hey, you're not. Mm-hmm. You know, I had an agent tell me, like, we're not going to get you that much work. My look was not in, uh, um, which yeah. is tragic. Yeah. And, and, and How long ago was this? Was this the 90s or the? It was It was uh, late, late 80s, early 90s yeah. when I first tried to break in. Mm-hmm. And nothing. But then when I came back to the Bay Area, I mean, I'm biased. We live in the bubble. I mm-hmm. feel like the Bay Area is so much more progressive than other parts of the world, if, yeah. if it were. Um, so I've been blessed in that way. Is theater always a hustle? Is it always pretty much underpaid? Yes. Mm-hmm. That, that is a reality. I feel like a lot of people have um, worked for me personally, and I see them working for other actors of color mm-hmm. in that they are – being great ambassadors, yeah, and they are also, you know, having their voices heard, mm-hmm. making, you know, mm-hmm. making demands. You see so many people right now, and Norman and I were on the 
really great thread for what was happening with a certain theater that wasn't casting enough people of color. Um, and the amount of con contributors was mind-blowing mm -hmm. and the amount of accountability asking. So I see people doing this work. Now, with that said, I would love to encourage all young actors of color mm -hmm. to keep pushing, to right. keep showing up yeah. because we're seeing more of an infusion. And then uh, I will say what Leslie Martinson said, who was um, the former um, artistic director at Theater Work. Uh, Theater Works quite some time ago, and she's now no longer there. But I remember mm -hmm. when she was my mentor, she said to me, you know, Leticia, what I would do, I would probably give up an arm for 10 more black men over 50 to be in the business. Mm. Because hey, what music you see, to my ears. Mm -hmm, <laughs> what you see yeah. is because we were excluded for so long, yeah. mm -hmm. I'm being called in for grandmother roles right. when really I'm not there. But right. the fact is, is there's only there seven of us, yeah. you know, the mature women right. of age who are people of color. Yeah. Mm -hmm. And, you know, we've, we've talked about, like, we've had Carolyn Doyle and a couple of other older women. Luckily, some are still in the business. Some have right. said, wow, Reg, I'm, I'm glad you called me in, but, yeah, I've been out of it and I'm, I've sort of given up. Right. And I hate to hear those things because I know they have incredible talent. Like when we brought Carolyn Doyle in, she mm -hmm. had almost said, listen, I'm not doing this anymore. Right. But then, we, you know, she was sort of brought back in. I think she did a reading for you, right, mm -hmm. Norman? Didn't you? Uh, Carolyn? Remember uh, a while back, Carolyn Doyle? Mm-hmm. I know. I know she did something. I, I'm. Sure, yeah. I think you had worked with her, mm -hmm. but also I wanted to bring you well, in. I worked with her a while. Back. Yeah, a while yeah, back. Yeah. But I, but I think she was into something recently. Mm -hmm. But in any case, uh, you talked about your experience in L.A. You were also in L.A. In the, during the eighties, right? Well, no, I, yeah, because I grew up down there. So yeah. before I left L.A., I made the rounds. But the thing is, as a young person, they're just seeing so much of you. And the weird thing is, they're seeing so much. They're seeing so many people, mm -hmm. and particularly young people. That they then want to slot you. And so you don't fit that and you don't fit that. And it's like, oh, my God. But what, one of the reasons I've been wanting to talk to Leticia is mm -hmm. um, to hear you talking about putting yourself out there now. And I'm like, oh, my God, at this point? Because when I saw you, I saw you on the Central Work stage. And I'd heard that you had come in last minute to replace somebody. And, you know, and so I'm watching the show trying to figure out, well, who – Who's the replacement? I know it's female, but I'm not sure who it is. And I'm watching, and you were just amazing. You were wonderful. And I thought, oh, Thank my you. God, this energy and this enthusiasm is infectious. So when I started off in theater, particularly in Bay Area theater, I was very much an advocate. We, we need to do this. Organizations need to do that. And I've adjusted my thinking. I still believe those things, but I realize there's no point in little me, hat in hand, trying to get a job, trying to tell you how to run your organization. On the other hand, there's a lot of benefit to me showing up. I did, uh, I think it was last year, up at 6th Street in Santa Rosa, because uh, I saw they were doing Equus in their season. I love that play. Mm -hmm. It's a gorgeous play. And I was like, well, I think me, a black man doing a British accent on stage, maybe could work if I went in sort of an Idris Alba kind of direction. But what I know I can do is I can do a nice uh, South African or nice. um, Caribbean, which is, you know, with uh, the, the ones that are influenced, those dialects that are influenced by the English, mm -hmm. by the British. I was like, I can do that. So I did. I went in and I was like, please call me in for this. Now, they didn't. But I know that casting person because when I said it, he went, oh, 
And I was like, yes, you just saw me do dialect. You just saw that I can handle dialect. And if you think about that character with this dialect, that could work. And so I love that the way you're putting yourself out there isn't going, oh, I'm going to be this little skinny 20-something, white-skinned, whatever. But if the story is going to be meaningful, the mama better bring it. You know, there are Mm -hmm. lots of stories that are written for other characters besides some 20-something. And I'm hoping that's true in terms of trying to be in L.A. and trying to get an agent to get you out there because – when I saw that you were looking at that, I was like, please, please, don't let them tell you you've got to lose weight or get some work done. It's like, no, no, no. Seeing you on the screen would be exciting. Yeah. It would tell a different story. <clears throat> exactly. Exactly. And not just being put into a box. I think mm-hmm. being, um, you know, of so many races, mm-hmm. um, I'm constantly, but I, but I do look classically Latina. Mm-hmm. I, I have a really classic Latina look, which I love. Mm-hmm. But Good. at the same time, uh, the one critique I would still hold to theater in the Bay Area is that diversity doesn't mean you're doing a black play this year, right. a black right. specific play. Yeah. Right. You're doing a Latina specific play this right. year, so call in all of the Latinas, right. is knowing that um, in some ways it, it, it's funny to me to say, you know, I had an English grandmother, mm-hmm. an uh-huh. English right. grandmother to the place of where we would have tea. Right. Sure. And and when I dance, I feel my English heritage. Yeah. <laughs> um, <laughs> but I'm rarely called in for mm-hmm. the English role because right. of how I look. Right. Yeah. Now, can I carry that? Can I do that? Have I done the women? Have I yeah. done Shakespeare? Yes, yes, yeah, yes, yeah, and yeah. yes. And I look forward to the time. I think, you know, one group that I'm especially loving right now is Cal Shakes. Uh-huh. Um, right. Well, right now, geez. They're still doing some, some sort of like maybe we're doing the black-specific cast or maybe mm-hmm. we're doing the Native American cast. Well, right now, but they, yes, and the Asian. But we're seeing more of an infusion of uh, last year's As You Like It, who mm-hmm. I also worked with Marisa on that. Mm-hmm. Uh, they brought in a um, what I would identify as a cis female black woman mm-hmm. for the role of Rosalind. Mm-hmm. Wow, she was dynamic. Mm-hmm. She was amazing. I can't remember her name. I'm sorry. Mm-hmm. But um, when you see that casting and saying, let's take this casting and break it all the way apart. I want to play Sylvia. I want to play Sylvia, and what mm-hmm. you see um, from Edward Albee's Sylvia, uh, and and the uh-huh. traditional, this is a dog, as we're going back to Ariel, a right. mermaid. Yeah. This is a dog. This is a woman playing a dog, right. and she's habitually played as a white woman with big hair. Right. And I'm thinking, this woman doesn't know dog. I know dog. I can play dog. Yeah, yeah. I have two dogs. That's what should matter in that play. Mm-hmm. Right. So there's so many ways that casting directors are still having to. We need to hold them accountable to holding that lens and saying, what does it mean to play this character? Yeah, and it's something we've talked about where as a minority actor, as a black actor, I want to at least have, you know, to get an at-bat, what I would call. You know, yes. at least give me an opportunity to show what I can mm-hmm. do. If you, if, it's, if it's still a rejection, it's fine. You know, maybe you have something that you want, but at least give me the opportunity to show you what I can do. Right. Just like what you were saying, Norman, you know, like you did the South African action. At least you got them to think about the role in a different way mm-hmm. <clears throat> and that's all you can ask for mm-hmm. it's great when you and if you just leave them thinking about it mm-hmm. they may not cast that way but hopefully the next time you show up because that's the other thing with all this is um like right now a good good person of Szechuan is up at cal shakes um genie baroga sends me this right email victor talmage is in this show and i'm like I've been hearing that name forever. So I finally went onto the website to look at his picture. And I was mm-hmm. like, oh, damn. 
Now, this man has been in the industry for a while. And he's been making it work because he hasn't been fitting anybody's expectations of what he's supposed to be. He's been coming in with the name Victor Talmadge. They don't even know what he is when he walks in the door. And he's made sure that he comes in with, this is an actor who can play this role. That's what you need to see. Mm -hmm. The rest of that is unimportant. Mm -hmm. You know, we have to manage our careers in a way that's successful for us. And we have to be open to the idea that we may not have control. It's funny talking to young people sometimes, young actors. Well, you know, you just have to turn this down. You have to turn that down. I'm like, dude, I will read that script. And if I have problems with it, I'll try to have a conversation about that. But before I turn down work, I better have some other work. (laughs) <laughs> and hopefully if I get in the door and I play it the way I play it, people are saying to me now about As You Like It, Touchstone, you're so Touchstone. And I'm like, no, right now Touchstone is so me. Oh, <laughs> yeah. touche. But I did, have, I did have a quick question about turning down roles. So I had, uh, you weren't around, but I had Joyce DeMonaco Huh. Right. And uh, she is a, I believe she is Vietnamese. She's a Vietnamese American who uh, did um, Olivia's Kitchen, which is a uh, retelling of Twelfth Night. Mm-hmm. Uh, directed by David, um, oh shucks, Valere, um, and 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 I'm trying to think of the um, it's Generation Theater. That's what it is. In any case, uh, and it was done in a post World War II setting, mm-hmm. and she played you know uh, Asian American version of um, it's the woman who is dresses as a man. Mm-hmm. If you know the story, right, right. Uh, Twelfth mm-hmm. Night. Twelfth Night, yes. And uh, but we talked about. Turning, are there roles that, let's say, you know, you want a role that represents you? Mm-hmm. And I think you're right. For a young person, you just want to put as many things on your resume as absolutely possible. Yeah. But there comes a time where it's like, well, listen, I've got to represent myself. I can't, you know, there, there's a time where I said. That is one way to do it. I, yeah. I'm not saying that there's a right way and a wrong. I, Tom Cruise is not my favorite actor. Not because he's not talented. Oh, my God, the man's talented. It's because he's been playing Tom Cruise for like 30 yeah. years now. I'm, yeah, you're right. I'm tired of Tom Cruise. Yeah. You know, show me something Tom else. Yeah. I didn't see uh, yeah. Interview with the Vampire. Yeah. Because I was like, I do not want to see Tom Cruise. I yeah. want to see the character. The last great thing he did, in my opinion, was Valkyrie, which was the telling of Nazi Germany and mm-hmm. um, the attempted assassination of Hitler. All right. Mm-hmm. And, but, but, yeah, you're right. It's just so, been. No, but yeah. I'm saying that's one way of being an actor. On the other hand, this week, Rip Torn died. And people don't know who Rip Torn is, but if you love movies, there's mm-hmm. a good chance you've seen him. And he's played some wacky roles over the years. I remember when he was a young man, and I'd see him in one movie, and then I'd see him in the next movie, and I'd see the name, Rip Torn. So I'm watching the movie going, oh, wait a minute, which one? Who is Is he that guy? Is he? Because I didn't know because he so loses himself. That's another way of being. I'm just saying, right now, there's offensive material, sometimes not intentionally, but there's offensive Mm -hmm. material that's out there. Do you want to be the agent of that? You have to ask yourself, what is it you would do with it? Mm -hmm. Because you're not going to stop them. You're not going to go to the theater company and say, oh, no, you can't do this play. They're not likely to listen to you. On the other hand, if you get cast in and you keep making those hard conversations happen, Mm -hmm. and you say, well, I don't feel comfortable making the character go in this direction. Like like, uh, Thomas and Sally. We talked about that. Yes. I was just thinking of that, too. Yeah. And that's that's what I meant. Be in the room and then make them fire you. Because that's the other thing we talked about last time is Mm -hmm. it's not about – I'm not good at saying yes. I've gotten really good at not saying no. I've gotten better at it. I'm still working on that because – Better to say, I don't feel comfortable with this, and have them go, well, then we're going to find somebody else. Okay, you just said no. You fired me. 
and I'm gonna get paid because yeah, yeah. that's the way this works. <laughs> um, but no, you know, we can't stop those awkward conversations from happening. We can't stop those awkward characters. Am I gonna play the shucking and jiving slave? It depends. Talk to me about <coughs> what that contract is and what is it yeah. you're trying to do. With and you it. may want to read the script in its entirety to see what the yeah. little story is. Yeah. <clears throat> We're running to the one-hour mark, but I, w- I did have a quick question for you, Leticia. <coughs> Excuse me. <clears throat> We've had a bunch of women on, and uh, we had one particular woman that wanted to talk about um, sexual <coughs> harassment and, um, like, in the rehearsal space and being respected. Have you had to deal with any of that at all, or have you been lucky enough to be... I have been lucky my whole life, and I want to qualify the word lucky because um, misogyny is real. Yeah. And I walk through life in a power stance. Um, I I am a classic working child, uh, home. Um, I grew up in in almost extreme poverty, Mm. and I grew up with a lot of violence around me. Hmm. And I learned very early to walk in a power stance. Yeah, you don't I take worked, any crap. I, I worked very hard to develop my voice. Um, yeah. I've only started to challenge my voice lately to say, hey, I do drop into a, a deeper register. What is that mm-hmm. about? Mm-hmm. It's because of letting, you know, constantly being the position, and I think all women can relate to this, that we have to think about what we wear. We have to think about what time we're going out. We have to think about having a buddy. We have to think about things that are, just not fair. Yeah. And when you, you know, also upscale that to being, you know, I grew up in areas that were not safe. I grew up with mm-hmm. shootings around me. I right. grew up with, uh, you know, violence enacted against women almost daily. Sure. And sometimes in front of me. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, all sad realities. But at the same time, I have never been um, a victim. Mm-hmm. And I think that's because sometimes I put that vibe out yeah. there mm-hmm. that... I will in hurt you. Yeah, in other <laughs> you words, you, hurt me. you've never had a director say, "Okay, Leticia, no. I want you to do this and that," and you're like, "Whoa, what's going on?" No, Good. and luckily, I'm, I'm, uh, again, I feel very blessed, and I, it should be, it should be just a given. It shouldn't be a blessing. It should be just a given mm-hmm. that my safety is ensured. But that doesn't mean that every day I don't have a woman tell me ways that right. um, harassment are 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 happening. Mm-hmm. I believe women. I know that this is true. I know you can even feel the vibe sometimes mm-hmm. when you walk into a place. Um, and, and you can definitely tell it from when women tell their story. And I, I definitely am an advocate for believing women. And I know that this is a reality that happens. I, I hope it never happens to me. Yeah. And I do feel blessed. Yeah. Now, I think, you know, we talked about the Bay Area being a bubble, you know, mm-hmm. a wonderful uh, community, a tapestry where – People are feeding off of each other, and yeah. uh, so I'm glad that it doesn't really happen here. And um, Oh, it happens. Well, I mean, it, oh. uh, <laughs> yeah. Yes. But rarely does it happen. I, I don't hear that story happening here in, in the Bay. I, I think a it's lot. mostly that folks aren't talking about it, but like this whole notion of um, having an intimacy coach, um, right. being familiar with yeah. that. Um, SF Shakes, we had a whole, basically a whole HR day, and that was one of the things they talked about. Excellent. And I was like, you know, and we joked about it, and we get silly because even in scene, it's like I'm supposed to say, "Is it okay if I touch you?" Yes. And it's like we're in scene, and it says in the script that we have this moment. But by taking the moment of at least making eye contact with you and making sure we're cool, or if I see you have a reaction to say, "Oh, I'm sorry," is are we okay to check in to be willing to make that check in? Is so necessary because it isn't talked about. So right. I'm glad we bring it up. Consent mm-hmm. is sexy. 
Yeah. Consent is That's sexy. Right. Mm, yes. <laughs> yes. Yeah, great way to put it. Yep. It's funny you mentioned um, you mentioned our guest who had come on to bring the issue up. I worked with her this week. We oh, did no. role playing at a. I guess I'm not India. I'm not supposed to say where, mm-hmm. but um, mm-hmm. one of the tech things in San Francisco. We did a whole. Um, they do a training for their team leaders, and so we got to do role play with them, which uh-huh. was nice. intense. But yeah, oh, she was there. Oh, fantastic! And then the other question I wanted to throw at you before we start yeah, yeah, yeah. is finding that balance um, of parenting and pursuing a career in theater. Because again, I love seeing the stuff you post. You guys take a big trip, and you're like, "We took the time, and we took that trip," and I'm like. That is so great that you made the time for that. Because I know on this other side is, I got rehearsal, got rehearsal, got rehearsal. Here's some food. Put it in the microwave. Bye. <laughs> thank you for asking me that question. And thank you so much for having me. I feel like I could be here talking to you all all day long. <laughs> and, 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 yeah. and there are so many issues. And we are being Trump walk a mold and, and we right. will fight on. Yeah. On, in our theater, Absolutely. you know, and as you like it, you will be bringing it to the stage and you um. will be representing and representation matters. Yeah. Um, live work balance. Amen. Oh, <laughs> amen. Live, work, balance. I um, This year, I am going to take less shows mm-hmm. um, because my son will be leaving me in a year to go to college, most mm-hmm. likely. That is a great – that is great. I, I heard a friend make that suggestion, and he said they didn't even tell their child. It was their daughter. They didn't tell her. They just – Dialed back, mm-hmm. made sure they were home because nice. It's you're going to see them someone <coughs> leaving the nest. Yep, you and better take the moment. My my time to hold my babies is precious. Yeah, yeah. as it is to all parents. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and but then there's this balancing act of having to pay the mortgage. Right. There's the balancing act of he's going to do applications. Right. Um, there's the and we've been blessed. My my both of my kids have a great commercial look. Mm-hmm. Mixed race babies. They're mm-hmm. beautiful. Mm-hmm. Um, so they have. My daughter has made a big contribution to college. Mm-hmm. Um, my mm-hmm. son is even though he's grown up with a lot of privilege, he's very aware of the fact that I grew up impoverished. Mm-hmm. So he's very considerate. He just found excellent, a way to excellent. pay for his applications. Yeah. Yeah. But all theater artists were having to balance this idea of right now I'm I'm triple dipping. I'm, right. I'm doing a stage reading for a group. I'm opening right. another show, yeah, what, and I'm in rehearsal with another group. Well, we'll get, we'll yep. get there. I'm probably yeah, yeah. making a lot of folks, all my directors right now, this is Leticia Duarte. She's not. She's a wonderful, responsible actress. She <laughs> loves you all, but she has to triple dip right. like all actors do. Yep, yep, yep. Um, and so you're scrambling from place to place. I'm also a commercial actress. You know, I know. Um, so, like, for example, two nights ago, I was on a commercial shoot all night long and then had to be at rehearsal the next day. Right on. So live-work balance is real. Yeah. And having to realize that as actors, we are marvelous. I mean, we have to be fit. We have to work out. We yes. have to cultivate have the mind. To, yeah. That's we're, right. We're constantly I, – I think theater artists are – by far some of the most amazing people I know <laughs> yeah. because of what we do. And the right. hustle in the Bay Area is real. Mm-hmm. Yeah. <laughs> no, that's that's a wonderful button to put on it, uh, <laughs> Leticia Duarte. And, uh, of course, cheer, story of a dreamer. Of course, we'll hit a we're button gonna, on that, uh, them, that yeah. yeah, a little bit later on. But we're at the one-hour mark. I did get that name, Jessica Williams. Was that who was the um, Orla- uh, Rosalind in As You Like It? Yes. yes. Well, she was great. Name. Yeah, we got to get her on. Thank yeah. God for Google. <laughs> um, and then where are my peeps? Birthdays. Uh, 
There was way too many people having sex nine months ago. <laughs> <laughs> Damn, it's a no big way week. To put it. So Amy Resnick is an amazing <laughs> area, Bay Area actress. Oh my God! Anytime you get to work with her, she's one where I've had a couple of times where I've auditioned with her. You walk out of the room thinking this woman is totally into me. Oh, <gasps> I know that, that, that feeling. Is, that is a hint wow. for any actor when you go into instead of going, "Oh, uh, I don't know who you are. I don't care about you." To go, what is the relationship here? And just totally fall in love with your scene partner because that's what they're going to see. Mm-hmm. She, and when you get amazing. that partner, wow. Um, <laughs> so Aaron Anderson, who um, most recently, in my awareness, did uh, Men in Boats, which was an ACT oh. piece where it was all women mm-hmm. cast. Uh, but I got to do a small play with her, 43 plays with 43 presidents. Oh, Five nice. actors doing an amazing array of all these little micro stories about the presidents. Um, Joanne Martin is a local Bay Area director. Uh, Vicki Roselle is a local stage manager, theater maker. I don't even know what hat she wears exactly. I got to work with her through um, Stagebridge, the uh, the nice. seniors theater company. Oh, nice. Jaxie Boyd used to be Bay Area actress. She's down in L.A. now and go, seems go, to be go. doing very well. Kimberly Ridgeway. I met oh, powerhouse. Yeah, yeah making it happening. Make yeah, she was. Uh, I met her through Ubuntu. Uh-huh, yeah. yeah. But Great then I started work. seeing her name in other places. I was like, uh. yeah, you. Um, Alicia Ehrlich is a mm-hmm. local Bay Area, Bay Area actress. Michael Wong, I'm not sure, is still a Bay Area actor, but I worked with him once more time. Mario Gonzalez, I know, is now doing stuff in um, New York. Mm-hmm. He wow. was here, and we met through Each One Reach One. Oh, okay. And then nice. uh, he was working with a little company in Berkeley called Round Belly Theater. Mm-hmm. Um, and he's moved on to New York. Uh, Steve Savage is not a theater person. He's a photographer, but he's been photographing theater for decades. Um, Natasha Young is down in L.A., and she actually has a thing on Facebook where she um, highlights what people of color are doing, performers nice. of color are doing. Uh, Marisa Wanless. That's right. You mentioned as our Jayquees. We've, we've heard some other things about Marisa. Maybe maybe there'll be other birthdays. Who knows? I know. I know. Yes, yes, thing. yes. Um, I think they're being public about okay. it. Okay. Yeah, yeah they, they've announced it. I think yes. she, she is. Uh, Felicidades. Felicidades. Tommy Shepard, um, local. Bear, oh, my God. Spoken word artist, amazing actor, um, amazing theater creator, and then has this gorgeous uh, group called Antique Naked Soul. Um, and then the uh, ABC Rockers. Okay. Both groups. Um, mm-hmm. ABC Rockers focuses on bringing rap and, and music oh, nice. to kids. Um, Antique Naked Soul is all a cappella, but you wouldn't know it listening to it. The sounds, he is an amazing beatboxer, and the sounds they make, it's, I think it's a trio. They're wow. incredible. Mm-hmm. Uh, Michael Orland was somebody I went to high school with and doesn't do theater anymore, but it, he plays piano and he actually teaches at Cal mm-hmm. piano and music. Uh, Vicky Zabarte mm. um, is a North Bay actress, amazing woman. Mm-hmm. And I remember she auditioned for me once, and she was so polite. And she had actually been in it was a Bay Area, it was a Genie play, mm-hmm. Genie Baroga play. Yeah, she had been in an earlier production of it. They were like everybody crowed about her. She came in so respectful to that audition room. I had her do the one monologue, and I was like, uh, "Okay, I'm going to ask for an adjustment just to see what happens." She immediately, no ego, took the adjustment, was wonderful. Wow. And so anytime I hear her name, I'm always excited. And then Tim, oops, I wrote that down wrong. Tim, not Tom. Tim Araneta um, is an amazing improviser and actor. And I'm not sure if he was still doing it, but he was up at, 
I want to say um, Lawrence Labs. It's either Lawrence Labs or Chabot doing an outreach program with them. Mm -hmm. I was like, they are so lucky. So anyway, these are the birthday people that I know. Feliz cumpleaños. Yeah. And I, and I, have, I have my little list. <laughs> uh, Friday, um, an actor that I worked with in a film, a little film project, uh, his name is Keith Rajaja. Uh, his birthday is uh, was yesterday on Friday. Mm -hmm. um, on Sunday, Deborah Cortez. Formerly, <laughs> formerly uh, Deborah, I forget her last name. It doesn't really matter anymore. Deborah, she's Deborah Cortez now. She right. went back to her maiden name, and she was Olivia in Olivia's Kitchen. Right. Uh, she's the producer for my next show. There you go. Uh, Titus Andronicus at Theater Lunatico right. in the fall. I heard about that. Yeah. I'm dying to see Titus again. I saw Ooh. it at the, uh, I, when I went to Ashland. I saw Titus, and uh, I'm dying to see it again. Hey, Somebody just a little side note on that. I get murdered twice mm -hmm. in the Titus Andronicus that's coming up in the fall. Oh, damn. Uh -huh. But I'm in good company. Yeah, yeah, <laughs> there yeah, you yeah, go. Yeah, yeah. I'll, be, I'll be definitely <laughs> saying it. Wow. Great. She's producing. You, that's wonderful. Are you auditioning for that? Maybe. I don't know. <laughs> Dude, I would definitely get in touch because um, what's his name? Aaron. Aaron is, the Moore. Uh, is delicious. Oh, yeah. Oh, it's uh, it's one of the best black monologues. What a, what a passionate killer. Of Shakespeare. Yep. Yeah. <laughs> also on uh, Sunday, Anna Yoham, and we had her on. Oh. She's the uh, the singer slash actress. She uh, participated in our read through uh, for men. Oh right. Okay. Uh, which was at the play uh, play cafe. Mm -hmm. uh, so she is uh, she's doing good. Also, a former schoolmate of mine, John, Don Mormon Navarez McCormick. Her birthday is uh, tomorrow, and uh, she and I graduated from Duke Ellington School of the Arts. She's wow. just fierce, really, really nice. fierce actress. Um, you mentioned Kimberly Ridgeway. Um, let's see. Marissa Wanless. Uh, also, uh, two more. On Friday, uh, the July the 19th, another classmate of mine, Lori Goff, mm -hmm. uh, she is an uh, Afro-Jewish uh, woman. And uh, incredibly talented. I'm not sure what she's doing these days. Also a, an alumnus of Duke Ellington. Also, Glenda Solis. Uh, she and I were on stage for, I want to say, The Marriage of Benton Boo, mm -hmm. which was at uh, the exit at Taylor when it first opened up. Mm -hmm. uh, wonderful memories. Every time I think about, you know, these friends of mine, I'm like, wow, you know, I remember you from that and that and that. Right. And so it's really cool. Talk about a tapestry. Yeah. <laughs> wow. Shows. There's this wonderful production of San, Fran in San Francisco Free Shakespeare in the Park, as you like it. <laughs> yeah. Uh, and so, yeah. We're, I've heard um, good things. This mm -hmm. is the last weekend in Pleasanton, then we'll move on to Cupertino, then Redwood City, and then eventually San Francisco. And I just sent out an email to family saying, y'all really come to town. We got a spot for you. I got a futon downstairs. Please come to town. Please come to town. Nice. So it's such a it's great cast. Loaded with actors oh that gosh. everyone knows. I mean, just loaded. Loaded, yeah. loaded with talent. And let's plug Cheer Story of a Dreamer once again. Yes. Well, we got, we got a bunch of them to plug. Oh, well, go for it. I thought you were finished. No, <laughs> go for it. No, no, no. I mean, for her. Uh, <laughs> in order. Yeah. <laughs> so ahead, we are, if you'd love to see more of Leticia, and who doesn't want to see more of Leticia, right. come check us out at Portrayal Stage um, August 1st through August 11th with Cheer Story of the Dreamer. Um, can I use that list? Sorry, yeah, thank you. Um, lots of stage readings comes up. Really uh, great work by Word for Word coming up. What is, uh, what is it, the Word for Word piece? I, I knew you were going to ask me, yeah. and I it has completely slipped my mind. Okay. I'm sorry, but we're Who's doing a stage reading on Monday. Gendel and nice. Joanne. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I'm excited. Okay. Yeah. And then Bay Area Playwrights Festival is bringing in Evernotic to direct 
um, uh-huh. will be we'll have a couple performances of a great new play called Seekers. I'm really excited mm-hmm. to to get into that. Um, really multifaceted. And then in the fall, we remember you mentioned uh, Deborah Cortez. Theodore Lunatico is going to be doing a full production of Titus Andronicus. Mm-hmm. Um, really excited about it. I feel like Titus Andronicus just isn't done enough in the Bay Area for whatever reason. Right. Um, and uh, so far well, it's... it's a complicated play. Technically, it is. Technically mm-hmm. it's a complicated play. It is. Mm-hmm. It is, and it, there's some very bloody, but I mean, it's right, got a right. lot of action. I mean, I enj- I thoroughly enjoyed it. So no, it's 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 a fun action. Yeah, exactly. And I think with you know uh, so many of the current events that relate, and you know all the things that are happening mm-hmm. in the world, mm-hmm. um, I think there's going to be some really exciting um, storytelling in Titus Andronicus cool. because the casting has been shifted up a bit. Mm-hmm. Nice. Mm-hmm. And I will plug um, Heather's. Heather's, of course, but also a couple of friends of mine, uh, former um, folks who were in Women on the Verge of a Nervous Breakdown, they are currently in Hairspray. Uh, A good friend of mine, Paul Plant and Stephen McLeod. Hairspray is uh, done by Bay Area Musicals at the Victorian Theater, where Mm -hmm. Ray of Light usually um, do their plays. Beautiful venue. Yeah, it's a wonderful venue, and I enjoyed working in there when when we did Bat Boy. Mm -hmm. Um, Any case, Hairspray, uh, that opened July the 4th. It closes August the 11th, and I have a a link there. And of course, Heather's the musical. If you yeah. if you know the uh, mm-hmm. the the, tele- the, the movie, not the, the, movie yeah. um, the the play is far more heartfelt and great singing, and everyone's doing so so great. Gateway Theater, I mentioned it, I had another name for it beforehand, but it's it is the Gateway Theater who is producing that. Who and has we, nice new comfy seating? I've heard. Oh, yeah, beautiful, yeah, beautiful seating. I mean, the facility yeah. is just fantastic. Well, yeah. And, 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 you know, for parking, for, yeah. for San Francisco, in yeah. terms of parking, right. it actually has a lot of parking. It's a lot of parking. It's actually not bad. Yeah. yeah. It's right yeah. there at Fort Mason, and uh, it's the theater's way, way back there. It's mm-hmm. hard to find, but once you find it, it's it's a fantastic venue, and the kids there, uh, they're a mixture of um, college students and also high school students. Right. But um, fantastic play. It's very heartfelt. I think it's far more heartfelt than the actual film. Mm-hmm. And oh. we close tomorrow. And oh. we'll be doing a double-double tomorrow. So nice. if you can come out tonight to see it, great. Come out tomorrow to see it, and I'll have a link there. Great. And that is it. Leticia, did you have a good time? I, such an amazing time. I mean, you two have been around. Wow. <laughs> <laughs> well, thank you so much. We, we do our best to make everyone comfortable, and you've got your feet. You, you know, you got your feet. You know, I, I got I'm a great view in the, the background. <laughs> So Although fa- now I have about 20 shows I want to see, so, you uh, know, yeah, hey, yeah, I the know. artist. <laughs> <laughs> all right, here is my blurb. You can find the Yay on the Apple podcast on all iPhones and iPads. Of course, you're listening to it now, but tell your friends when they ask, what is this Yay and what is this podcast? What do I do? This is what you tell them. You know, just go on your uh, your iPhone, iPad app. There's a little green app there, the uh, the podcast app, and you can find us. If you're an old stogie like me and you listen to your podcast on your laptop or your desktop, you can go on iTunes. You can go on iTunes, go on Store, use the search engine on the upper right-hand side, search for the A, you'll find us. If you're an Android user, download the SoundCloud app or just go on SoundCloud.com and you can find us. The Yay was created by theater people for theater people. If you have a show you want to advertise or if you just want to advertise yourself, let us know. Hit us up on Facebook, Twitter, Snapchat, Instagram. You can find me at Red Space Clay. I'm at Hoosier Hoosier. Leticia, do you have a... Twitter, Snapchat, any of that stuff? I, Website. I'm on an old-fashioned Facebook, and yeah. I announce everything there. I mean, <laughs> even what I'm wearing that day. So, <laughs> Leticia Duarte, I spell it L-E-T-I-T-I-A yeah. Duarte. 
Absolutely. And, of course, uh, directors and producers, if you're looking for a fantastic Latina actress, you know, Leticia Duarte is there for you, if she has the time for it. She's busy. Y hablo español. Representation matters. Absolutely. And we got to find a better sign-off. And we are out.